Hi, how you doing? This is uh, Ben Beggs. I'm the managing director of Red IQ. Welcome, Ben. We're excited to have you here. This episode is going to be talking about data. I will maybe talk a little bit about tech, tech, but uh, focused on the numbers of real estate. So, tell us what is Red IQ? Sure. Um, so, Red IQ is actually a software product. It is used by multifamily professionals for acquisitions. So to screen deals, um, extract the data from source documents like rent rolls and operating statements, standardize it, clean it up, um, and get it into underwriting models very quickly and effectively. And ultimately, speaking of data, build a repository of first-party information that you know so that you can compare things apples to apples. So when a company is looking to purchase a real estate property, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of information that they're Mm -hmm. getting and they need to organize that rather quickly and in in a way that will allow them to underwrite. And the more deals that you're looking at, the more you underwrite, the more active you are, the Mm -hmm. more hopefully that you could win. So that process being very slow could be a very big pain point. And so hopefully you're, you're solving that pain point. But so they're taking their rent rolls, they're taking their T12s, their last, their financial statements, and they're dumping this mm-hmm. all out. And then you make it look nice and spit it out into a way that they could use quickly to underwrite their, I get yeah, that right? Very much so. And frankly, it can be more than one person in the, in the chain, right? Because, uh, you know, if you, if you look at a deal, you need to decide, everyone needs to decide the same question. What is this? What is the value of this property to me? Whether you're the buyer, the seller, the broker, the lender, the appraiser, you're all looking at that with a different lens, of course, but that data is required for all of those analyses. So someone was explaining to me that in the medical fields, you have electronic medical Mm -hmm. files. And so these hospitals and doctors are all using these, and there's like six platforms. And so those platforms are collecting a lot of information and a lot of data. And then they actually use that data to help the hospitals and doctors create benchmarks of what they should be aiming for. So in a certain market, this is the number of nurses or physicians it takes to see X amount of patients in a day. I don't see anybody doing that in, in real estate. Now, the acquisition side. So if somebody's in a, we're in a specific market, we're based in Baltimore, we look at deals in, you know, right now locally. So if we wanted to go outside of our market and we started looking at a deal, it's hard for us to make that full analysis without knowing that market. Now, if your system is seeing all these other deals within that same market, so we'll just say something really far we're not looking at, Mm -hmm. California, uh, LA, or San Diego. Well, actually, let's go Texas, right? A a better market to invest in. Um, And you have data of what are our expenses for similar types of properties within that market? That would be extremely valuable, one, operationally, but two, for underwriting. Do you guys supply something like that? Is that something that you guys look at as you're collecting all this data? Yeah, it's actually a great question and something we get asked a lot. We're uh, we're actually about to start supplying some of that information, specifically on the, the expense comps side. Historically, where we've been... Um, and that's really just a matter of, you mentioned this doctor and a company that there's a few companies that gather a huge amount of data. The the scale that you have to have to do that with the integrity to stand behind the averages is actually bigger than you think, right? Um, and we're just getting to that scale now. Today, we have about 600 customers, so quite a few. And up until now, most folks are, they are still using Red IQ to say, explore that new market. But it's usually 
it's more straightforward. Like I'm interested in moving, looking at the San Antonio market. Well, I'm just going to hoover up as many deals as I can see, push them through Red IQ, and then I'll have some information about that market. Yeah. Um, I, I don't want to make this too much, no, nothing personal about your business. Um, I think it would be really cool if you actually, your existing clients, you offer them a discount if they agree to continue to update the data of the asset they purchase. So you, you won't have a, just a snapshot. You'll have the continuous data coming in instead of just a point in time. I mean, interesting. <laughs> um, and because, because data is, is it, like if things change, like I go in disclaimer, mm-hmm. we use Red IQ, uh, for underwriting. I'm not part of underwriting, but I like data and I like information and I'll go in there to look at deals that we're looking at and, and I'll start just like analyzing, not an underwriting. I'll look at the revenue. I'll look at occupancy and I'll look at it as much information as they give us. The more I have, the more I could see. And, and, and they're fascinating things where, and they're big companies and they're big operators. And you'll see, you know, the headlines or they they'll say certain things on their pricing call or their investor calls. And then I'm looking at the actual data of some of their properties and it doesn't seem to be quite as lining up. As rosy as what you see. Right. And then, and then you have everybody who's, who's buying deals thinks they're the only one. It's an off market deal. And they think they're the only ones that looking at it. And you know, behind the scenes that, that, that 20 people have uploaded that information for the same deal. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that, that does happen uh, regularly. I mean, I suppose it could happen. Something is truly off market one to one, but you know, once the numbers get big enough, everybody needs to get a couple of bids and make sure that they're doing the right thing. So, yeah. And, and, and my, I guess my intrigue of this is there's so many different ways of, of, of looking at something and you could look at something the wrong way, or you could look at it fractionally and be missing a very big picture. So a lot of people in this industry will obsess about market rent, which is just asking rent. They'll obsess about growing rent and they'll t- using your, your platform really got me obsessed with revenue. Revenue matters, right? If you raise rents and you achieve those rents, but your occupancy goes down because you're not doing a good job on retention. So you celebrate you're getting higher rents, but you're making less money. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's not a win. But if you just look at it in a, a vacuum, oh, we're getting higher rents. That's great. But if you're not looking at your total revenue, so what kind of things do you think that people are making a mistake on, on what they look at for underwriting or operating based on from your vantage point? You mean from the data they look at or? Just what, what, what you're saying. I mean, I don't know if, if maybe you're so into like running your business. It's hard for you to like analyze the actual data that's getting plugged into your thing. Um, yeah. I mean, like there's the, we, we categorize the data into two types of fields, basically, right? There's okay. your standard data, which would be the, the data points, which are the actual. Sub- upon which you'll base assumptions. And then there's assumption. You need to put that in because there is no magic rent growth number. It's the future, right? Whereas asking rent, like you said, that is an actual number. So those go in and those are the data points that we look at. And what people are asking for is, hey, we've gathered a lot of data. How can you help make predictions? And so we kind of want to draw a distinction because there is no perfect answer to that. What we want to do is help people get as much information as they can and then focus on the things that require um don't require a calculator to figure out, but they're, they're numbers related, but you need to have expertise. So overlooking what, not spending enough time understanding what you think the tax implications are going to be when a property is reassessed. 
uh, after a trade happens. Not looking at the macroeconomic fundamentals of the market that are there just because my trend shows you that this rent growth. I mean, I'll tell you a story. We've had lots of customers, you know, in the rent growth assumption, there's like a little gray 3%, I think, right? In my platform. It's just the default number just to show you, you can type a percent here. Well, if you had said, hey, I wish that would guess the rent growth based on, you know, suggest the rent growth based on the trend six months ago, it would have said like 20 some percent in a lot of markets. And that's not sustainable. That just because the data tells you that, that doesn't mean that it's a smart number to use for a seven-year growth projection. Right. And yeah, and, and things are changing. I mean, if, if Correct. anybody bought or sold a used car in the last year, they know that it's it's crazy. Mm-hmm. But so if you're, you you might, if you sold, good for you. And if you're buying, then, I mean, you didn't have to buy, hopefully. I mean, you could have waited and that market condition can change quickly or maybe not quickly. And the same thing happens with housing. When, when there's a lot of occupancy is high and there's, you know, supply is lower, you know, I'm seeing that, that, that people are getting a little greedy and they're still going after these high renewals and it's forcing people to, to, to move. And then that's creating more supply, which then creates a change in the, in the asking rents. Um, what kind of feedback have you gotten from your clients that was really helpful? Has there been any that they said, Hey, this would be really helpful for us to underwrite or to understand that you implemented or you changed? Yeah. I mean, uh, we have, we did get a lot of feedback in the last years or two about, um, improving the amount of the sophistication of the debt modeling that we allow. So, uh, permitting more complicated bridge and mezzanine structures. Uh, and we've also had a lot of feedback from customers wanting not necessarily help with their assumptions going forward, but like you said, loading in, um, a, a performa that is their budget and then comparing it to their actuals later to inform, look back and say, okay, this is my underwriting process. Um, and one of the things that people miss is like, you have to go back and look at how did yes. we do? How did, how was our initial underwriting? You get so lost in the like managing the deal itself that you forget. Did I even, did I even come close? Yep. Should I rethink how I approach this? Where do we go wrong? So that th- those postmortems, uh, we have had some, that's been feedback and those are things we're building in. Customers want an easier way to say, help me do that postmortem. Um, yeah, no, that, 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 it, it boggles my mind. You, you underwrite, like, this is your game plan. And then you don't stop to think, are we achieving our game plan? Are we exceeding or underachieving? Or and should adjusting? we reevaluate the process by which we make the game plan? Because, uh, you can end up in a world where you simply, the game plan is now gone. You feel like, and everyone will tell you, like, yeah, it's all a plan until you get punched in the face. And that's true. So plan to get punched in the face. <laughs> yes. But it doesn't mean that you don't train for, for that as well. So, I mean, uh, that was feedback that we've taken in. That's interesting. And, and a, a game changer for us operationally and to buy more deals mm-hmm. is tightening up our operations. It, it's changed how we underwrite because we know that w- we've changed our strategy and we know that we could accomplish certain things that we didn't have that, I guess, confidence or that philosophy beforehand. So that has now helped us be more aggressive on our underwriting and, and, and win more deals because of that. Well, let me um, ask a question about like when you say tighten up on your expenses, right? Like, so getting your expenses down, clearly you can raise rent or get expenses down. That's how you drive your NOI. Um, how do you, when you talk about like getting data from 
a market, right? Aggregating it together. I can aggregate expense comps, but one part that I don't know that we talk about is I don't know how much I, I think you can tighten up the expenses. All I can say is what the aggregate is. Do you look at the aggregate around? And is that what you're looking at to say, well, I know we can tighten up here because I see others have lower expenses in this category? Or is it uh, all internal? Well, I should, I should say we tighten up our operation, not necessarily in the expense, mm. but in the way we can. So we're typically buying a property that the occupancy is lower than we want to operate at. So we are we tightened up our strategy of, of leasing marketing, we, right? Correct. How can we lease quicker and achieve the, an occupancy higher? And then from there, how do we could push rents sooner? If it takes you longer to reach your occupancy goals, then it's going to take you longer to raise your rents. So would you be looking at say the, you know, the time that a unit stays on the market in that market and see if you can beat yeah. it or? That the, the, we've adjusted our, like our vacancy and our our occupancy, mm-hmm. and, and from there that helps us adjust our revenue growth. Um, we unless there was something else that you wanted to share, we do end with some random questions. Sorry, I didn't prepare you for that. But are you a reader? Do you have a book recommendation? A book recommendation. Um, yeah, I, I am. A, I am a reader. You know, one that I read recently that I really liked for like a you know, like for a business book or just for any book. Either. I mean, not just for entertainment, but yes, somehow it yeah. could have helped you personally or business. Like a business one that I read recently that I, I liked was, um, it's, it's been around forever, but the Gary Keller, the one thing, um, cause I'm kind of scatterbrained. And so it really helps me to just focus on one thing at a time. Okay. Um, I think Gary that's Keller. a great one. It's, it's called one thing. The, the one thing. Yeah. The one thing. I like that. There's a whole story that I could say based on that concept and I've never read the book or heard of it, but we're going to run out of time. Where's a place, what's a market that you're interested in, either to travel for business or for pleasure? Oh, um, yes. I mean, look, I, I don't want to be that guy that says, you know, the Sun Belt, because the Sun Belt is everywhere. That's uh, where it's growing. I actually think Atlanta has still a lot of room to run. Um, and what is something you purchased in the last year that you recommend? Something I purchased in the last year? Oh, I purchased this... Um, like this little charger, like a cube that has, it can do my laptop, my iPad, and a phone all, all in one, one thing, one and thing. it folds into one little, this Anchor 2 Nano, and I was like, 69 bucks, am I going to use this thing? And I love it. <laughs> so I got rid of my computer one. brick forever. Excellent. So. All right, Ben, thank you so much for coming, and thanks for, for talking data and real estate tech. Thank you. Anytime. Anytime.